1: Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 4th, the Out the Door or Bust edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, mom to Naima, who's eight, a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and we live in Los Angeles, California, and is the headline, so we're just going to leave with that from now on.
2: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
3: I'm Zach Rosen. I am dad to Noah, who's four, and Ami, who's one. And I'm host of The Best Advice Show, a very short three times a week podcast featuring your best advice. And I'm in Detroit.
1: On today's show, we've got a question about a five-year-old who just can't get out the door in the morning. And then we're gonna get into a conversation about a very controversial subject, homework. Mm -hmm. Who gets to decide just how much homework a child should do? We're gonna step into the homework can of worms and reveal just how bad a parent uh, I can make myself (laughs) out to the people on the Facebook page. (laughs) On Slate Plus, Do you feel like you're parenting through the crisis of a lifetime? Robert recently published a series on parenting at the end of the world, and their take was surprisingly hopeful. So Slate Plus listeners, you'll get a chance to hear how we're feeling about parenting in these troubled times. But first, we're going to kick off the show with triumphs and fails. Zach, do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week?
3: Yes, I have a fail, which has been a perpetual fail for me. My daughter's four, and as four-year-olds are, you know, they can be great, and they can be... uh, We say spirited at home, but, like, come on, they're really fucking hard to parent sometimes. They won't listen. uh, They won't put their shoes on. They won't get out the door. They won't eat their dinner. They won't stop crying, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I have this thing where, like, whenever I raise my voice, which I try not to do much, but it it happens sometimes um, in the face of, of Noah you know, being unruly, I I, I regret it right after and I always say to myself, like, all right, you can't keep responding like this. Clearly, it's not helpful. It might be temporarily cathartic for you, but it's really not serving the situation or me or my family at all. And I'm like, I need to do better. I need to work on practicing patience and I'm going to. And sure enough, like, you know, the next day, it's it's another fail of my impatience. And I just think that like okay this is part of the cycle of of parenting a four-year-old you you got to get used to this you got to take a breath you have to be more empathetic you have to step back and take a breath and I just like so often cannot do that in the moment and it's such a fail um of just my self-control and to to do it in front of my four-year-old is is awful
2: I mean I call them the fuck you fours because I all three Mm. of mine like it was awful after you have this interaction what do you do
3: I mean it's 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 a micro moment. It doesn't last long. Sometimes I'm apologizing to Noah, my daughter. I'm trying to remind her that I love her and that, you know, my my outbursts are kind of modeling this idea that my love is conditional, which I don't want to do. So I think I'm then kind of over overcompensating with my love, which I don't even know if that's a thing overcompensating. I'm just trying to be super loving.
2: <laughs> Cuz I I guess I feel like in these moments However you react, like, sure, we can work on that behavior, but some of that is, like, ingrained, right? Like, we've been conditioned, or that's just how we saw other people respond, and and then that became part of, like, just the outburst of that frustration. Because we see that same behavior in them, right? Like, their outburst of frustration, because there's something very, like, human about that. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like, what is the recovery? Do you double down and Mm -hmm. say, like, I absolutely was justified in doing this, or are you saying, like, Gosh, I was so frustrated that this is how it came out. I'm sorry, because that was not what I was trying to convey was frustration. Because I think that is the only way kind of out of this cycle. I mean, who knows? (laughs) We'll see, right? My kids are still little. But
1: one thing that's helped me throughout Naima's life, certainly, I, I guess, maybe around four or five is when I started asking myself this, if I'm legitimately upset about what she's done or if I feel like I'm supposed to be because it's wrong. Right. Like, you know, one of the first couple of times she got in trouble at school, I realized that I myself did not care about the thing that she did. Right. And so I personally found it funny, you know. And so, like, I could not communicate that to her. But I also noticed that my gut reaction was, oh, she's in big trouble. Oh, tonight's going to be. And I was preparing for this big performance. Yeah, And like, I'm like, I don't even feel this way about the infraction, right? I'm just gearing up for the show of parenting. And so I don't know. And sometimes with little things that she does, like not putting on the shoes or, you know what I mean, making a mess with toilet paper where it's like, yes, that's really frustrating, but it's also like a 30 second cleanup, you know, like, so just maybe checking in, like, before you have the big reaction and like, am I having a big reaction? Because I'm really tired and I'm really frustrated with every day I say shoes and Mm -hmm. you say, okay, and Mm -hmm. then the shoes are not on, you know, if there's like a real reason to be annoyed or if it's like, is this just supposed to be annoying because it's bad kid behavior, Mm -hmm. And maybe that letting, you know, that beat giving you a second to just kind of blow off, you know, that steam that's building up.
3: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That makes sense.
1: So we'll let you take it as like a half fail. (laughs) (laughs) Only half fail. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Elizabeth?
2: Um, I am going to take a triumph. Halloween is kind of like fraughtful for us because the candy is a real problem. Um, I have, like, Henry with all his stuff really cannot... He can't handle the sugar. He really is not supposed to have the sugar. He also needs to be gluten-free and all this other free stuff. So it's just, like, a really hard time and last year we just totally bailed on it we went camping we just were like forget it we Mm. stuffed a pinata full of stuff he could have raisins and things and we're like woohoo! let's just forget about it but this year we're like in a place where we could go trick-or-treating and so before we went out we sort of said we're going out with our neighbors and some other friends but we're we're not keeping the candy and the two older ones were sort of like okay the little one, Teddy, was like, hell no, I'm keeping all this candy. Um, and we were just like, we'll deal with that later. But then, of course, as we go out with this big group of people, not everyone has the same rules, right? So my kids are saying, well, we're only going to get to keep five pieces of candy, which is, I think, after like them saying, well, how many can we keep? How many can we keep? Jeff was like, everybody can keep five. You know, we have kids that are like, well, I'm going to keep this all and I'm going to eat it all. And just like those, how much candy can you get? And us trying to like reinforce this, like all families have different rules kind of situation and teddy is just like i'm gonna hide this all like we just so we were just like let's just focus on having fun trick-or-treating so we get back to the house the first thing we do we like dump out all the candy and sometimes we like sort it and graph it as like a fun activity Mm -hmm. so we did that and then we let everybody choose five pieces. And Jeff gets out some little Halloween baggies and says, "Why don't we bag some of these to give to my cadets? Cuz we we normally just send it in to school with him or to, you know, his work. But um this year they all have like a pen pal with one of the athletes on campus and we have our French cadets, so we we got out some note cards and they're bagging the candy and writing little notes." to people and we're stapling it to the bag and all of a sudden that became the activity they were so excited to pick out Mm -hmm. candy to give to people that before we knew it like the table that was full of candy was totally empty and they had made all these bags and then you know written all these notes and sent them in with Jeff and I just thought like well like Teddy never complained again right because the activity became I'm going to give this to my he's pen pals with this gymnast, like this, and I'm going to tell her to share it with her team. you know, let's draw this picture uh. like this. And so it became this great activity, and actually they we put their they got to bag their five pieces of candy, and I put it on top of the fridge, and they haven't even asked about it. so i I feel like wow. they sort of thought it left the hat you know, it was kind of like done. We did the activity. everybody had a piece that night. Um, I'm sure they'll probably asked for that those five pieces which is fine because that is very that is everybody chose things that we that henry can have and is in within reason but it just felt like this big win of this battle that i was ready to have because they got so involved with giving it away and then of course all these cadets drew them little pictures to bring back Mm -hmm. um to them and so they're getting kind of like that feedback and thank you so much and they wrote Hysterical, funny notes, Henry has a diver as his pen pal, and his diver has a brother who is in Jeff's class. So he bags him for his diver, and then he bags him for his brother and said, so that you don't take your brother's candy. <laughs> but of course, they're, <laughs> they live in different <laughs> dorms. But I just thought, this oh. sweet boy thinks that, all br- you know, no matter how old you are, mm. you're likely to have your candy your stolen right by your brother. <laughs> yeah. So big win if, there, if, there's, um, if you're looking to That's get huge. rid of candy and
1: can turn it into some kind of fun game uh, it worked well for us
3: wow congrats
1: I was just gonna say we need to figure out someone to give this candy to because we have so much candy it's ridiculous (laughs) yeah it's actually connected to my fail for myself and a triumph for Naima, but that is a very <laughs> big triumph, Elizabeth because defeating the Halloween candy monster mm. at all is a win, especially when it was right there in their faces and they played with it they manipulated I know. it and like that's a that's very big triumph big big win um okay, so, on Halloween, Naima and I, we're not really trick-or-treat people, per se. Her stepmom got her stuff to be Naomi Osaka. She was super cute. She won a little costume contest at dance on Saturday. And on Sunday, one of my girlfriends, who has a daughter about her age, and I made plans that we would like get dinner or brunch. And then she's like, oh, maybe we could trick-or-treat. And I was like, cool. And I ran it by Naima. She's like, you know, I really would like to do dinner or brunch, but I don't really like trick-or-treating. And I was like... Me neither. (laughs) We have this in common, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, the last few years, because of COVID, have saved us. And, like, we haven't been in a trick-or-treating position in a minute. But, like, just knocking on strangers' doors, I I just was not excited about trying to trick-or-treat anywhere, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. we live in an apartment building. I knew that there was no signs or, like, everyone in my building is... Mostly older, like, no trick-or-treating to be had over here. The other building across the street has, like, a thousand... It's, like, a high-rise, you know? It's, like, where will we even do this, you know? Like... At these people's houses who, like, kind of don't always speak to me? Like, no, thank you. I'm good. (laughs) So, cool. Like, we're not doing this. And so, um, we go to dinner. My bestie came, uh, which was a win. He's in town. And he went to college with my homegirl and I. So, you know, he's delighting the kids. Everyone's having a really nice time. We're eating chicken. Everybody's great. My friend and her daughter are going to go trick-or-treating with some of her friends for the neighborhood afterwards from the neighborhood. We're in Sherman Oaks, um, for people who know L.A. And so... She's like, maybe Naima can come with us. And I was like, maybe. We'll see how she's feeling. And Naima's kind of like, we'll see. And I know Naima's will sees are usually like, not with it. And I'm like, this is so great. We're on the same page. (laughs) Like, she has an out. Like, it's good. Her friend keeps asking, you know, for her to go trick-or-treating And finally, she says, you know, I guess we can go for a little while. So, I'm like, oh, fuck. Now we have to do it, (laughs) you know? And, like, after dinner, Naima asked if she could ride with her friend and her mom to the trick-or-treating meet-up spot. I'm like, cool. So, we'll all meet up there. I get there a little bit sooner than they do. And I'm like... It is so dark. Like, while I'm driving through this neighborhood, I'm like, there's no way. And I see people trick-or-treating, but there are no lights. It's just dark. These are very nice houses. There's kids and and people giving out candy. But it is just creepy dark. I'm like, no way. Don't like it. Not with it. And it's cold. My feet are going to get cold. Don't want to do this. We're out. And so I'm like, boom, we're not doing this. And so I pull over. I see them, and, like, they've just met up with the group. I'm like, hey, Naima, we've got to go. Uh, and she's like, what? And I'm thinking she's not going to be into this either. So I'm kind of saving her. She's like, I was like, Naima, we've got a little emergency. I'm so sorry. It's like a family thing. And she's like, what? No. And like, so she's fussing all the way back to the car. Now, mind you, I'd offered her in the restaurant. I jokingly said, does mommy have to go trick-or-treating with you? Because I could go get some groceries. Because I was thinking this would be a great opportunity for me to go to the grocery store while they trick-or-treat. Yeah. You know. And she's like, no, come. So I'm like, okay, she wants me to come. And so while we're walking back to the car, she's like, You don't have to come. And now I'm free. I'm like, what? She was like, well, you don't have to come. I could just go with them. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, it's totally fine. I just really want to go. I was like, okay. And so the failure is that I was afraid to trick or treat in this darkness, sent my child out to do it. She totally rocked it. My friend texted me, like, during the trick-or-treating, like, Naima's doing great. She's having fun. She skipped a few houses because she felt like she had gotten enough candy. She had so much candy. Like, <laughs> she skipped houses. She was like, I was getting a little tired, you know, but, like, she did great. and She had fun and she made, you know, a new friend and it was awesome.
3: And then you, what did you do when she was trick-or-treating?
1: I went to the grocery store, and I even bought a bag of candy because I thought, oh, they might not get that much. It's kind of, you know, I don't know if people really, trick-or-treating is so weird now. Are people really doing this? And she showed up, and she had, like, an empty takeout bag from the restaurant where we eat, and this bag is, like, well, all premium candies. I've gained five pounds. (laughs) I thought she was going to come back with, like, six pieces of candy. No, we need to send you some bags to send to the cadets. Yeah. Because... There is so much. It's ridiculous. I love it. So Halloween 2021, we made it out. We made it out.
3: We did it.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Okay, so let's get into our first listener question, which is being read, as always, by the extraordinary Sasha Leonard.
0: Dear mom and dad, this might be a mythical ask, but does anyone have tips on motivating a just-turned-five-year-old out the door on school days? My little guy is an absolute cranky pants in the morning, and it can get so darn hard to get him out the door it's a constant loop of i'm too tired no i don't want to go to school no i don't want to walk y'all it's just one block away please help sincerely can't get out the door
1: elizabeth listen what do you think
2: just turned five-year-old fits into the fuck you force. <laughs> this is You just Mm -hmm. haven't left that phase yet. Okay, so here's the thing. I find that my five-year-old has this exact response to... Anything that is like changing his motion, right? So like he's at home, he's comfy. Now we have to get out the door. He's like, I don't want to go. The minute we get in the car, he's totally fine. So it's about kind of that transition period. Mm -hmm. If you're not already doing everything you can do the night before to make your morning easier, do that. So as much like lunch packing, backpack packing, setting out coats, hats, so that your whole focus can be this is a really fun transition with teddy specifically he's like i don't want to go to school and instead of arguing we're just like isn't that dog gonna be there that you can pet i wonder if your friend is going to bring that stuffed carrot like anything to just engage a different part of the brain right like if you're walking there like hi i wonder if that flower is still growing like whatever it is bag breakfast and take it on the walk like i would do anything you could to make that make that fun Tuesdays are really hard for us Tuesday mornings I think it's because all three kids are headed to their programs and so on those mornings I literally Teddy and I choose his clothes the night before so that as soon as I go in and get him up I'm literally like dressing him like every other day he gets up I give him time to get dressed on Tuesdays I go in there I get him out of bed we do a big cuddle and then I just start getting him dressed because for some reason it's just hard and so if I can control that part of the schedule I get up a little bit earlier on Tuesdays I have like ask Jeff specifically, Hey, on Tuesdays, I really need your help with these tasks that other days are not a big deal. You know, like if you can have breakfast on the table when I get Teddy down there, um, but also know like they're just kind of programmed. I think this age is just like programmed to be like, I don't want to do, why are you making me do this? So do not jump on the crazy train. I think that is my, the biggest advice is like, just no matter what they scream at you, don't get on. They're baiting you.
3: Yes. Um. No, I totally feel you. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of questions. I agree with what you were just saying, Elizabeth, I'm wondering once they get to school, are they okay? Cause that, that opens up a whole nother discussion. If, if they are fearing something at school, then that's something that, um, you know, you can try to figure out. And if it's just about this initial transition, then yes, dangle whatever shiny thing you have emotionally, physically um, in front of them to get them out the door. Um, if it is like once they get to school, and they also can't stand it. That that's a tough thing. And I'm wondering, like, if you if that does happen to be the case, obviously we don't know um, because you didn't state it in the email. But like, talk to their teacher. Ask your kid lots of questions about why they're so apprehensive. Is someone being mean to them? Um, are they having a hard time making friends? And I'm also just wondering, like, before the school year started, did they have? anxiety um, about other things like is this commensurate with their general um, demeanor of late or is it just circumstantial Um, and yeah just like keep the keep the vibe really relaxed and really fun in the morning like you were saying Liz going from like being home all the time with your parents being loved on and like not having a schedule to this rigid thing is a lot to ask of a little kid and we need to give them some answers of like why we're asking them to do that um and so like if they are like why why do i have to go like don't just be like you have to go because you have to go um (laughs) which you know tough love might work but like also like you know try to have a, a conversation with them because it's a strange thing go to this building now um when you're five and be with people that aren't us all day and like be fine with it like just honor honor that question that they undoubtedly have i know my daughter has that question
1: It sounds like it certainly could be separation anxiety, um, which I'm an expert on because I experienced it as a preschooler Mm. and have watched it play out um, with my own little one. Mm -hmm. Uh, A joke when I say I'm an expert, of course, I feel like I have to be very clear about that these days. But, um, you know... I mean, it was something that I dealt with from preschool. And my mother had a touch of it, too. We had a school psychiatrist um, that talked to, like, every child. It was kind of one of those, like, hippy-dippy preschools. But it was really great that everyone um, had that opportunity to have somebody kind of checking in on their feelings in that way. And letter writer, like uh, Zach said, you didn't mention what happens, like, once your little one gets adjusted to school. But, like, I cried every day for, like, the two years that I was in daycare. You know, like every single morning I cried every morning and it continued through kindergarten, too. Um, it was about leaving my mother it had, you know, uh, it, it wasn't about what I was going to do next. And so is there something that your child is reacting to in terms of leaving you all? You know, um, I think is worth, in addition to everything else that's already been said, um, really investigating and if that is the case, what are the things that you can do to provide reassurance? You know, that reminder that I pick you up every day, we come home every day, you know, there's never been a day where that hasn't happened. And, you know, dangling some things for after school, you know, maybe creating special rituals for what happens at the end of the day. So the same way you might have, you know, the special breakfast in the bag that you can walk to, you know, school eating that becomes a treat or something like a muffin that becomes a daily ritual um but i would not rule out the possibility that this is deeper than you know i just don't want to do this i'm obstinate i'm five but that they could really be struggling with um being away from you all or just the moment of having to say goodbye
2: if your kid did really well potty training with bribes this might be a good another good opportunity for a sticker chart or a bribe not i you know i wouldn't tie it ever though to like Not crying or not being um, upset for all the reasons you guys have mentioned, but tying it to like, if we get our shoes on and get out the door by this time, right? Like, I think arguing is very different than feeling sad about it, right? Like, we can march through the steps and be like, I don't like doing this. (laughs) You know, but again, explaining the reasons why you're doing it. But if you think there's some kind of separation anxiety going on, there are all kinds of things you can do for those as part of your morning routine.
4: Mm. Uh,
2: Jamila talked about having these special rituals, reminding them that you're going to pick them up, you know, coming up with some kind of bracelet or something else that you both wear that reminds you that you're together. So having that be part of that out the door. Um, routine or something you do on the walk on the way there i would implement all of that and then kind of wean off of it as getting out the door because this is like this is kind of a life skill a lot of times we have to go out of the door and do things that we don't necessarily want to do good luck
3: <laughs> yeah best of luck
2: <laughs> five-year-olds are five-year-olds are slightly better than four-year-olds
3: <laughs> and what do you f- it,
2: it only gets easier yeah it's when do the fuck you fours
3: end like at age eight les <laughs>
2: I think the fours are sort of like, sometime in their fives, they just kind of mellow out a little bit. They're like, oh, okay, I'm starting to understand how this works, and that me being a total a-hole about everything doesn't always get me what I want.
3: (laughs) Okay.
1: We wish you all the best, and at least the walk is only one block, okay? (laughs) Like, that could be so much worse. You can fireman carry for a block. (laughs) just over the shoulder right at that point just throw them over your shoulder do what you got to do. you can do anything for a block essentially. best of luck to you and we'd be happy for an update. Also if you are listening and you have your own parenting uh, debacle that you'd like for us to weigh, feel free to send us a note at mom and dad
4: at this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: So, a few weeks ago, I talked about the homework struggles that Naeem and I are having, and a lot of you all wrote in. First, thank you so much for your feedback. We love it every time. We're going to share a couple of the letters with you. Take it away, Shasha.
0: Dear Mom and Dad, I would like to weigh in on the homework debate. As a teacher, I take offense to the statement that most teachers don't like homework. Not true. Not true. As a Spanish teacher in a high school setting, homework is extremely important. Language learning is like playing a sport or an instrument. You would not tell kids that they shouldn't practice their clarinet at home or that they shouldn't go to soccer practice after school. The 20 or so minutes that my students spend revisiting what we learned in class reinforces their learning and leads to better long-term retention of the material. Further, we spend class time mostly speaking and listening, and they use home time to read and write. This allows us to maximize their learning potential and the usefulness of class time. Sincerely, JF, Longtime listener. Dear Mom and Dad, In response to a recent episode in which Jamila expressed the struggles with homework that she and her daughter regularly experience, I want to share what has worked for our family. The kids are currently in 7th and 5th grade. Neither child has ever been required to do homework throughout their public elementary school education. At the beginning of each school year, we've written letters to each of their elementary school teachers outlining our views on homework. We follow the letter-writing guidance as well as the philosophy on homework laid out by author Heather Shoemaker. What we learned along the way is that, at least in California public schools, teachers are required to assign homework. However, they are not required to read it or even collect it. We also found that many of our San Francisco teachers agreed with our philosophy— but are required by the district and pressured by some vocal parents to assign homework. Homework has never been an issue with us, and my children have thrived in school. They have always been responsible about taking care of class assignments that needed to be done and extra outside projects on their own, without me having to hover or check in. My older child is now in middle school and is rocking straight A's and doing her homework 100% independently. My younger child is in fifth grade and is thriving. I highly recommend this no approach to homework in elementary school.
1: We wanted to talk about it again because it means a lot to you all as well. So, Zach, um, talk to us about the history of homework because I have to admit I am uh, quite ignorant to that. Whose fault is this?
3: (laughs) Okay. Well, I wanted just to to put a button on that just for one quick second, because the reader mentions, or the listener mentions Heather Schumacher, who I hadn't heard of before, and Heather Schumacher's philosophy around homework, so I thought it might be helpful just to um, talk about that for a second. I went to her website, um, and basically, this is what I found. She writes, for seven hours, they've had to focus on the academic sides of their brains with grown-ups telling them what to do. When school is out, it should be out. Kids need time to get other needs met. And then there's just a little more. What do kids need? Time outside. Time with family. Time goofing around and picking their nose. Time pursuing their own interests. Time doing family chores and an early bed. There you have it. Play, family, time, and sleep. So I think that kind of sums up um, that philosophy that, that the listeners are referring to. Um, but to your question, Jamila, who can we blame for homework? I think we can blame Horace Mann, uh, the education reformer. <laughs> From the 18th century, and basically, Horace Mann learned about Germany's people's schools, who were and they were starting to um, give kids homework, and he brought that back to the United States and basically introduced homework um, in the 1800s. But then, as early as the the beginning of the 1900s, um, just a few days, just a few decades after Horace Mann brought homework. To the United States homework was banned in California. It was banned in California from 1901 to 1917, um, and the ban affected students younger than 15 years old. So for 16 years, um, oh, at least California, yeah. So Californians thought that high school, you know, kids up to what would that be today, like 10th grade, should not be yeah. doing homework. The New York Times um, was writing. Uh, you know, uh, columns, and they were publishing stuff from medical professionals that was saying homework was detrimental to children's health. After World War II, the United States and Russia, you know, had this rivalry, and the US was like, we better start competing academically with these hardworking Russians. So then they um, got really serious about homework, and, uh, you know, rigorous rigorous assignments for all ages was like considered kind of best practice especially in math and science and now today like 50 plus years later we're starting to question it all over again uh, you can make such good arguments for 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 homework and not homework and i really appreciate the kind of shoemaker philosophy but i also hear the spanish teacher and i don't know what the right thing is but i feel like we just as a culture we've just constructed various points in which we've said homework is important or homework isn't important. And I have teacher friends who are on both sides of this issue too. So it's, it's a head scratcher.
2: I mean, cause it does seem like there's a part of homework that, that teaches some kind of responsibility. Right. And, and I think too, we have to differentiate between like, I would assume that universally, like, we're all against this, like, here's all this paperwork to do, like, complete 400 more of these math things. You know, particularly if it's something that your child seems to have grasped and is doing at school versus, though, like, assigning projects. I, have of course, am in my first foray with with, uh, Henry into a year of public education after homeschooling. And homeschooling is basically, like, all... (laughs) homework right like we do stuff together and Mm -hmm. but but it's short bursts we don't if I want him to practice something again I just have him practice again within our our day and I think it feels less like this burden because I can see the big picture of his day like I know that he got an hour to play Legos and an hour to run around outside so asking him to do another 15 minutes of math seems like okay well this is just all you know, part of this big picture day, as opposed to like sending him off and presumably he's like at school doing schoolwork and then he comes home and now my precious time with him is occupied by work that you (laughs) that you've assigned. But it does also give this glimpse into what he's doing. And I mean at least for us what I've noticed is like he has a math teacher who is not a fan of homework. He asks us to play at least three times a week, play a math game. And he sent home a bunch of math games. And he says, just as a family, can you guys play this a couple times a week? It's like, that's actually really manageable because it checks a couple things, right? Like we're getting some family time. It's also homework, um, but it but it's fun. It doesn't feel like, oh, let's sit down. I don't have to fight about it. I mean, that's the other thing for me about homework is anything I have to fight about. Meanwhile, the reading teacher that he has seems to be kind of more old school and sends home a ton of homework like read this book answer these questions it's questionable whether they ever look at these questions in class which is frustrating to him and the crazy part is for as much as i feel like i'm anti-homework i feel really compelled to have him complete these assignments even though i think they're not graded um they don't seem to have any impact on his overall score but it seems like i've agreed to participate in this system and the system is telling me to do this work. And it, at this point, it has not been un, unmanageable um, for him. But we also, like, largely did not put him in other activities because I wasn't sure what a full-time schedule would look like for him. And so I feel like, too, we don't have these added burdens of all these other sports and things yet because we're only starting to add those in. I do want to say that this is obviously like we're not the first people even at Slate to talk about this. Like this is a such a common question that gets written in to ask a teacher. And I I think that's one of the things we'll put a link in the show notes to a bunch of those ask a teacher columns, but kind of like in general, a bunch of the columns basically say it's not necessary at younger ages. And the teachers say like, we we largely think it think of it as practice and in fact one teacher actually says like um to this woman writing in like hey i a week ago before reading this study i would have told you like yes have your child sit down and do the homework but it turns out that like in general boys kind of don't do their homework and skate by and do fine because homework Mm. doesn't relate to any life skills i mean this is of course like in in general, like that there's a life skill to doing the bare minimum, right? Like a lot of people's success come from doing just what needs to get done to get that A or get there. And that in general, it's, it's girls doing the majority of the homework. And then they're stressed out about school and all of this. I think though, my problem is that like we, we talk about it. We're all like, it seems so clear to me. But yet, like, kids are still getting assigned so much homework to the point of, like, people are writing in to ask a teacher. People are passionate about this, (laughs) like, doing the homework. But, like, who gets to make that choice? Like, do I as the parent? I mean, and I know, like, it's a little bit easier for kindergartners. But even as we get to these higher grades, it seems like where is the value in saying to, to the child, like, what do you need the practice in? right? Like, where do you want to get better? Where do you need to stretch where this is what I think? This Mm -hmm. is what your teachers think. What do you think? Like that conversation piece seems to be what's missing rather than just this like homework, good homework, bad. But like, what is that end goal that we're striving for? Are we striving for like, yay, you completed all your assignments. I mean, there is some value to that because sometimes in life you're rewarded just for showing up, right? Just for doing the work, whether it was the best work or not, but I would also argue that, like, something is suffering. The kids don't have enough time, so something is suffering. And do you want that to be their mental health? Do you want that to be sleep? Do you- or do you want that to be math? And I think that is a different answer for every family and every kid.
1: I agree 100%. And I think there's so many, you know, it's it's one homework is one of many things that, like, our society has accepted as just this fact of being. And so, like, because it's required, it was required of me, it was required of your, you know, of other people, it's going to be required of you and you just have to accept it. And I, like, it's not working for our children. Like, children should not loathe school the way that they do. That, thing with which you have this antagonistic relationship but it's also so profoundly connected to the outcome of your life right it's like I have to survive school I have to you know depending on your attitude I have to either do really well here because my future depends on it or it's this thing that I just have to make it through you know But either way, like, there's just so much pressure around it. And, like, I think bringing that home only makes the relationship between kids and school worse, where home is where you need to be able to decompress to kind of recover from what's happening in school, react to it, you know, um... And again, there's a big difference between, you know, having extended readings and the opportunity to really kind of sit with the information that you're being presented as opposed to, you know... A lot of recitation and regurgitation for five classes in addition to whatever extracurricular activities you may have and what kind of responsibilities you have around the house or at a job. It's just it's it's setting kids up to not have it done and have it done well. It's teaching them, like Elizabeth said, to get it like, you know, There are people who, and and particularly it works out really well for some guys, you know, like cheating their way through this. Like the easiest way to get through this, you know, um, works for me. I'm not doing the lesson. I'm not learning, you know. I'm just getting through this so I can get to the next level. And it rewards children for surviving something that they shouldn't have to survive, you know. Like I think about a kid with a busy schedule, with a full plate of stuff to deal with at home, you know, somebody who's got a part-time job, there's just so much, there's just so much going on in your life and in your mind and your body at that, you know, particularly for middle schoolers and high schoolers, you know, it's interesting that younger children are identified as the ones who don't really need homework, but I just think of all that bigger kids are coping with that that is a time in which I really want them to be able to escape from what the school day may have held, you know, into something hopefully productive. And just homework as it stands now, just so often is not that to me.
3: School starts so early. It's school, <laughs> so it early. Starts so early. When I'm when I when I think back to the end of my high school day, I am so tired, yeah. and it's just like, man. And then you're, you're in right.
2: sports till late, or or, sports clubs or or clubs,
3: or you have a job because you, you know your family needs you to help out there, and it's yes, like, yes, yes. It seems impossible to ask the teachers to coordinate with each other because that's, that that's just not realistic. But like, yeah, if there were, if there was a way to, to, to do it to where like, if you have a lot of homework in one subject, you know, you shouldn't get it in another, I'm out of my depth. But like, it just seems like we're just throwing a bunch of stuff at kids, a bunch of assignments. Sometimes you're going to have three hours. Sometimes you're going to have 30 minutes. And it's like, yeah. I totally believe in if, if homework teaches, teaches us one thing, it's like, you know, to be uh, responsible and accountable. Like that's so important. We need to fig- we need to teach kids how to like do stuff on their own, but there's gotta be a way to do it to where it's not, you know, um, contributing to like you were saying, Jamila, like, hating school even more. Um, I love the idea of gamifying it in some way. Like the last time I liked math and did well at math was fifth grade when we had the math pentathlon, which was literally <laughs> like math games. Um, and there is a way to do that. Um, Probably deep into our kids' school careers. So, again, that's we're putting so much on teachers who are already so overworked, but like there's got to be some kind of homework revolution. And I'm sure there is one in, in a lot of schools.
2: There's no end to like the stories of great teachers and how important having those great teachers in people's lives and how they motivated them to really love something or, you know, dig in to something. I don't, on yep. NPR, while I was doing the school drives this morning was a story of the Colorado teacher of the year who got her, her, one of her students was super interested in this lake that the national trust was going to, you know by and they ended up kind of all writing these letters and being part of this big movement to make this lake a one of colorado's new state parks owned by the national trust and they had these little fifth graders on talking about how Um, how what an impact that was and to me i was like yes this is amazing right like she had them do research she had them look like how do we do like it's a life skill plus all these other skills they got writing they figured out funding stuff. You know, of course there are adults doing that too, but their participation in this. To me, it's those kind of of projects that are yeah. worthwhile and if your kid came home and said my homework is to like do research on this thing that I'm super interested in, uh, that's very different than like open the homework folder, okay, what do we have to get done before tomorrow? You know, like are we going to get in trouble? It just seems like especially with the the internet and the availability of information that what we really have to convey to kids is a love of learning and then how to go learn. Right. Because you don't necessarily know no matter what I learn in grade school now, I do not know what I will want to do or what I'm going to do and what I'm going to need to know (laughs) to do that thing. I want to do like, I have to be able to go out and find that information and and know that. And And there are so many teachers doing that. It seems like they are. Yes hurt by this system that says like, we have to learn all these things or we have to do, you know, do all these things. I'm also always struck by like, Our teachers are so well-educated in this country, right? Like, they're going to these programs and learning the most recent research and studies on how we should be teaching things and doing this. And then we get them into the school system, and we don't let them do any of that. Mm -hmm. And and that bothers me, and I have zero solution (laughs) to that. Um, But I just feel like the homeschooling moms I know that are teachers— left because they want to do it the way they were taught. You know, I learned about this, this way that I teach reading now and I love it, but I'm not allowed to teach like that in the school. Right. Cause it, yeah. it doesn't produce readers until much older and that would be unacceptable. Like those sort of, of, of problems. And, and then it feels like how do we get everyone access to this? Cause that's the other thing. I mean, one of the teachers answers in in this um, ask a teacher column You know, Jamila said something similar to what you said is like, I realized that there was a certain like subset of the class that was already doing this that was saying, well, you don't have to do this work or you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. It seems like if homework is not required and and you can opt out of it, that should be like front and center on your the thing that comes home and you should be telling your kids you know your yep. students, your parents are allowed to opt out of this, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a I. I mean, I had no idea until this letter writer said that that was even an option. Now, whether I would do that or not, I don't know. Because you know, would I write a, a letter? But I, I think there are a lot of people who don't know and don't have the time yeah. or capacity in their lives to figure that out right there every day is a struggle to get everybody out the door where they need to be so worrying about your kids homework is not something you can do so if if it is truly not required you please like make that known that's all I can say
3: yeah
1: well if we can agree on anything it's that homework needs a (laughs) rebrand yes a reimagination a a, a rebirth um, or perhaps a death (laughs) Thank you, everyone, who wrote in and shared your thoughts on homework. It's a debate that didn't start with us and won't end with us. Um, And we really appreciate hearing from you all on the matter. We appreciate hearing from you all in general. So if you ever have something that you want to share with us, please uh, send us a note. slate.com. Before we get out of here, we're going to do some recommendations. Elizabeth, what are you recommending this week? I'm
2: on brand. I'm recommending a fun math card game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, my brain was just in that place when I was when I was prepping for the episode. It's called um, Boom Goes the Dynamite, and it's sort of a memory card game meets um, like matching with math. Uh, it's really fun. You you lay out the cards kind of memory style, flip over two cards and see if you can make them work with some of your math cards. So for example, if you flipped over a 10 and a 7 you could use your minus 3 to make a match. The package says it's 7 plus and um, my two older kids easily played it. We also though like really slowed it down and the little one could play. So as long as we weren't trying to go too fast and kind of helping him out, we also had to remove their division and multiplication cards which are obviously not available to the five old when the kids ask to play it you know it's like a good option so i i would just recommend it. it's called boom goes the dynamite jeff and i played around just the two of us <laughs> last night after after uh,
1: the kids went to sleep so <laughs> it's actually quite fun nice 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 elizabeth zach what are you recommending this week
3: so i'm on a constant mission to to wean my daughter off of kids music and get onto the good stuff and i found a decent gateway drug in the form of the artist casper baby pants who my friend john recommended to me it's uh this guy chris bellew who used to be the front man of the do you remember the group presidents of the united states of america
1: yes i do i actually do
3: yeah they were you know they sang um millions of peaches, peaches peaches for me yep. peaches for free yeah exactly so he, he's been putting out kids music for 10 years and it's really good it's like really sweet melodies it's folky um but it's not like you know agonizing to wear like coco or like i like some rafi but others it's like enough already so casper baby pants um and then like next you know maybe we'll get to the beatles by the time she's five we'll see
1: well, this leads perfectly into my recommendation of Wu Tang, an American saga, which is now my eight year old daughter's favorite show because she's now obsessed with the Wu Tang yes. clan. It came out in September, so if you're already a fan of the show, you've probably watched all 10 episodes by now. But if you are late to the party, or if you were considering giving it a watch, it's such a good show. I'm currently halfway through season 2. I binged season 1. With Naima, who is completely obsessed with the Wu-Tang Clan now. This is our new, new addition. We'll unpack that in the future. But she's the same age I was when I got hooked on Wu-Tang, so I guess it was bound to happen. But it's just a really well-written, well-acted, uh, very creatively told story of how the very famous rap group came together in Staten Island, and it's set against the backdrop of the height of the crack era and old New York, and it's just really interesting. Um, it's, a, it's a good show.
3: Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to watch it. It's it's really good.
1: It's really good. I watched the first few episodes last season and just like didn't keep up with it because I'm just a bad TV watcher. Yeah. And like one of my homeboys, uh, her godfather was over here and she caught a few minutes of it and she was like hooked. And I was like, okay, well let's start for episode <laughs> one and let's just see. And I'm like, you know, there are worse things an eight year old could watch. We've we've uh, censored a few parts, but it's really not that bad. Nice. That is our show. Before you go, if you haven't already, subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe there. We're there. You'll find us. It'll make it easier to find us, and we will appreciate it. And one last time, if you have a question for us, send us an email at momanddadatslate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group, which you can find by searching for Slate Parenting also, don't forget about Slate's other great parenting content, like Karen Feeding and Ask a Teacher. We'll put links in the show notes if you want to check them out, or you can just sign up for the Slate Parenting newsletter and have all this wonderful content delivered directly to your inbox each week. No homework for you. Just sign up at slate.com/parenting email. Mom and Dad are fighting. is produced by Rosemary Belson, for Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen. I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.